Hello and welcome back to episode number two of Mind Over Labels. Today we will be focusing on the screening and diagnosis of ADHD in Australia. So if you're a mum, dad, a friend or partner, we're going to go over some possible screaming options that are available. I just said screaming, I meant screening. We'll also go down the official diagnostic process in Australia. Concerningly, research finds that only one in 10 adults and approximately one third of all children in Australia with ADHD are recognized and receive treatment. This is exceedingly difficult for people with ADHD symptoms to obtain a formal diagnosis due to the complexity of the system, significant costs involved, and long wait times for assessments. We'll then go over why wait lists are so long and what changes are currently being done. We'll then finish off with some ADHD humor. So we're going to be divulging into some things that the potty audience has written in. So tell me you have ADHD without telling me you have ADHD. Some of these are really funny and I'm sure you can resonate with them. And then last but not least, we'll finish off with this week's Googled Fun Facts. I will enlighten you on a segue journey of another useless, amazing, crazy fun fact. Perfect. Let's crack into it. So we have screening options in Australia. So there are five free online assessment screening options that you can get done in Australia. It is worth noting that you can't actually get a diagnosis of ADHD from a self-assessment. In order to get a diagnosis of ADHD, you do have to be assessed by a specialist in the field. But this is a really good, I guess, step in the right direction if you suspect you have it and you don't want to go down the long and costly path of going to see a medical professional for an ADHD diagnosis. So number one is the ASRS, which stands for the Adult ADHD Self-Report Scale Screener. That is a mouthful. You have two options here. You have a short six question or a longer 18 question screen. And it's one of the most commonly used self-assessment tools for adult ADHD. It was developed by the World Health Organization and it's meant to be used for people 18 and over to assess the common symptoms of ADHD. It's a self-screening assessment that takes less than five minutes to complete and you rate yourself between never or very often on how often you experience common symptoms of adult ADHD. So number two, this one is specifically for women. So this is known as a SASI, which is the Women's ADHD Self-Assessment Symptom Inventory. So the Women's ADHD Self-Assessment Symptom Inventory was developed by two clinicians who work extensively with adult ADHD in female populations. It examines childhood patterns and issues along with adult symptoms commonly found in ADHD. In addition to traditional symptoms, the SASI also addresses challenges related to adult life, such as parenting, workplace and life maintenance, i.e. housework, which, as you all know, is a very challenging. I have a laundry pile that is just never going down. <laughs> it is not considered a diagnostic assessment, but gives an insight into the types of challenges a typical woman with ADHD would experience. The next one is the CARS, which is the Connors Adult ADHD Rating Scale. This is a self-report form for adults that is usually administered by professionals as it requires specific interpretation and scoring. It is helpful when considering a diagnosis of ADHD and it provides information about the adult scores, how they compare to other adults and what subscales are elevated. 
It is meant to act as an interpretive aid and should not be used as a sole basis on a clinical diagnosis or intervention. And last, you have the Barrett Impulsiveness Scale. This is a 30-item self-report scale that is commonly used to measure impulsiveness. Participants respond to each item using a scale of one, rarely to never, to four, almost always. So the bottom line is no matter which self-assessment tool you use, the results can only provide general guidance. Without an assessment by a professional, these tools only provide information that you have symptoms that are common in adults with ADHD. You can always review your results with a healthcare professional who specializes in ADHD or your therapist or your GP. Taking self-assessments can also be a good way to self-monitor your symptoms over time as you engage in treatment protocols or even try positive lifestyle changes such as CBT or a bedtime routine and consistent exercise, which is so, so important in your dopamine responses in the brain. Tip, this is one that I picked up in a neurodivergent chat group on Facebook Messenger. The ACAP, which is the Australian College of Applied Professionals, they have a clinic in Sydney CBD who offer a range of psychological services to the community at a nominal fee. The clinic offers psychometric assessments for adults experiencing problems with cognitive function, so it's not specific to ADHD. The psychometric assessments may attract small fees that apply for this service. So I know for coaching with ADHD, there's a small fee of $25 per hour just to cover admin costs and things like that. And they provide assessments around issues such as ADHD, cognitive functioning, and educational capacity. It's a great place to start if you're unsure if you have ADHD or suspect something isn't 100% right. The assessments that they do at this center are really useful for identifying areas of concern and then assisting and directing recommendations for strategies to improve the academic, the occupations and the general day-to-day functions. So you're probably thinking, what's the catch? Why is it so cheap? So these services are provided by provisionally or registered psychologists. So that means they've completed their undergrad university training, but they just need a little bit more practice to become a fully registered psychologist or an actual clinical psychologist. And all these sessions will be supervised by a qualified and experienced endorsed psychologist. So some of the clinic groups that they offer is mindfulness-based skills, managing social anxiety, and building self-compassion. And that brings us to the official diagnostic process in Australia. So we'll talk about the cost. We'll talk about the options. You've got public and private. And then we'll talk about some of the pending reforms that are taking place in the ADHD medical space. All very exciting. So the cost of an initial ADHD assessment is quite significant. It is reported online that psychology clinics across Australia for an initial ADHD assessment and treatment show can cost between $1,000 to $2,200. The high cost of getting assessed for ADHD presents a major financial barrier and prevents people from lower income households from getting diagnosed. Concerningly, data from the Western Australian Health Department indicates that there were 26,000 people living in metro areas receiving ADHD treatment, compared with only 5,000 people in Western Australia's regional areas. This highlights an urgent need to improve access to diagnosis in rural, regional and remote and lower socioeconomic status areas. 
it's worth noting that different states are legislated differently. So let's cover the public and private options. So concerningly, there are currently no government funded health services, which can diagnose adults at no cost. ADHD Australia's national survey found that 40% of Australians with ADHD believe that the financial burden of ADHD is one of the biggest challenges of living with ADHD. The survey also found that the average spending on year for an ADHD person under the age of 26 is $2,188, with carers spending a whopping $5,543 per child. These costs are significant, particularly as there are many households in Australia with a parent and multiple children diagnosed with ADHD. The significant cost of ADHD treatment is concerning, as we know that many people with ADHD have reduced earning capability and that ADHD symptoms can make it difficult to manage money. Symptoms such as distractibility, impatience and difficulty listening can make it hard for people to complete work tasks or perform high level. A large study undertaken in Sweden found that people with ADHD earn on average 17% less than their peers. While a systematic review found that adults with ADHD are twice as likely to be unemployed compared to their peers. If you are open to going down the route privately or you've taken some self-assessments and you suspect that you do have ADHD, then you can take that to your GP. And from there, they will then refer you to see a psychiatrist. You'll have to go for a minimum of three sessions. The initial appointment can be anywhere from $450 upward with two subsequent sessions and then ongoing medication reviews. This is a very, very costly. So why are the wait lists so long and what is being done to overcome these long wait lists? The ADHD Foundation report that many psychiatrists have long wait lists and don't accept new clients seeking an ADHD diagnosis. The Australian Psychological Society also state that one in three psychologists aren't taking on new clients. Concerningly, a 2021 consultation paper for the 10-year National Mental Health Workforce Strategy indicates that there is a massive shortfall of nearly 8,000 full-time workers across Australia, which indicates an urgent need to expand the workforce to address the unmet need. In the recent 2023 to 2024 Commonwealth budget, funding for 500 additional psychology postgraduate placements were granted. This boost to the workforce, however, is not sufficient to meet the current high levels of demand. The government should be providing further funding for an additional 7,500, that's 7,000 more than what they've already approved for, university places to target the skills shortage and expand the paediatric psychology and psychiatry workforce to improve access to ADHD diagnosis. The government should also be providing funding to upskill the current psychology, psychiatry and paediatric workforce in ADHD assessment to immediately increase the number of qualified health professionals able to perform ADHD assessments and to reduce the long wait times experienced by adults and children across Australia. Good news, however, we are making headway. So on the 28th of March this year, 2023, the Senate referred an inquiry into the barriers to consistent, timely and best practice assessment of ADHD 
and support services to highlight and bring about changes that currently exist in the assessment and support for people with ADHD. This Senate inquiry aims to reduce wait lists, increase access to and increase GP powers in the diagnosis and medication pathways. In addition to this Senate inquiry, in June 2023, the Suicide Prevention Australia also submitted an inquiry into an assessment and support services for reforms with people with ADHD. I have some really harrowing statistics. So over 3,000 people tragically die by suicide each year and an estimated 65,000 people attempt suicide. Over 7.5 million Australians have been close to someone who has taken or attempted suicide. Suicide Prevention Australia's shared vision is a world without suicide and one with our members that they can work to inform through data and evidence, influence systemic changes that drive down suicide rates and build capability and capacity for suicide prevention. They highlighted concerns about the increased risk of suicide for people living with ADHD, ADHD symptoms such as hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattention can have profoundly debilitating and disruptive impact on people's lives and can cause significant behavioral, emotional, and social difficulties. An important point to highlight is research indicates that up to 80% of adults with ADHD have one or more co-occurring mental health conditions such as mood, anxiety, or a substance use disorder. Finding from the National Comorbidity Survey undertaken in the United States of America found that adults with ADHD are at least four times more likely to develop a mood disorder. Worryingly, a systematic review which examined the comorbidity between ADHD and anxiety disorders identified that at least one quarter of all adults with ADHD have an anxiety disorder. We know that experiencing poor mental health is a strong risk factor for suicide. Sadly, research finds that people with ADHD who are also diagnosed with a mental health disorder are 10 times more likely to die by suicide compared to people without ADHD. International research shows that people with ADHD may be five times more likely to attempt suicide and three times more likely to die by suicide compared to the broader population. While a study undertaken in New South Wales found that children and young adolescents hospitalized for suicidal behavior were four times more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD. There is widespread concern that structural and financial barriers prevent many Australians from obtaining a formal ADHD diagnosis and accessing care. Currently, approximately 5% of all children and 2.5% of all adults in Australia are living with ADHD symptoms, and that's of those that are diagnosed. As we know, there are so, so many adults and children still yet to be diagnosed. It is suggested that 75% of people with ADHD remain undiagnosed. That's massive. Concerning the research finds that only one in 10 adults and approximately one third of all children in Australia with ADHD are recognized and receive treatment. Considering the elevated risk of suicide for people in Australia with ADHD, there is a really, really strong need for early identification, access to diagnosis and treatment and robust support services that are affordable.
So in summary, there were nine recommendations provided to the Senate to improve access to ADHD diagnosis and reform the current system that is is very flawed. These were presented to the Commonwealth Government in June 23. Number one, the government should work with the state and territory governments to ensure that all ADHD practitioners have received appropriate training and can identify and diagnose people with ADHD. In addition, they also need to ensure that ADHD medication regulations are consistent across all states or territories to improve access to treatment. A national education and awareness campaign needs to be put in place for ADHD to improve the knowledge of symptoms and encourage people with symptoms to seek diagnosis and treatment. A little bit here like what we're doing on the Mind Over Labels podcast. Thirdly, they also need to fund a suite of resources for parents, teachers and practitioners to increase the awareness of ADHD symptoms to improve the rates of diagnosis. In order to capture the existing burden and the lack of practitioners, 7,500 new university places for students to study paediatrics, psychology and psychiatry to expand the ADHD practitioner workforce as well as funds for ADHD assessment training to upskill the current existing workforce. There also needs to be recognition of ADHD as a primary disability under the National Disability Insurance Scheme to help people struggling with the financial costs of ADHD. Subsidization of ADHD assessments within the psychiatric workforce within the Better Access Initiative to facilitate equitable access to diagnosis. And lastly, suicide prevention training for general practitioners needs to be done to improve the ability to recognize and support people at risk of suicide. Media reports indicate that due to the acute shortage of qualified health professionals capable of diagnosing and treating ADHD, that Australians have been forced to travel interstate to access care, which is time consuming and expensive. Concerningly, states and territories across Australia have different regulations for ADHD medication. Medication prescribed in one state may be illegal to dispense in another. So exploring the non-medicated slash behavioral treatment. If, for example, you want to access CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, the Australian Psychological Society suggests that a private psychologist charge $280 per session. Of that, Australians can then access 10 Medicare-funded standard psychological therapy sessions per year through the Better Access Scheme through the GPs. Under the Better Access Scheme, the rebate for a $280 therapy session is only $131, leaving people with significant out-of-pocket costs. People with ADHD symptoms also require more than 10 therapy sessions and require at least 12 to 14 sessions of CBD to actually see the progress. The high cost of treatment is a major barrier preventing many from accessing care. Worryingly, a Productivity Commission report shows that nearly a quarter of people are delaying seeking treatment due to the high cost. Symptoms such as distractibility, impatience, and difficulty listening can make it hard for people to complete the work tasks or perform to a high level. So in this next segment, I'm going to give you some tips for ADHD decision paralysis. I know that if I have a long list of things on my to-do list that I'll freeze and I'll sit and I just won't action any of them. So... What is ADHD decision paralysis? It is the inability to consider or decide on one options. 
It stems from a mix of internalized and executive dysfunction. It also can affect me when I'm standing in a supermarket and I need to decide on some bread or I need to decide on some apples. Or if someone says, you know, make a decision on this, then I freeze and I don't have the ability to think effectively, even though I know the answer. So if you suffer with ADHD decision paralysis, here are eight tips for dealing with your choice paralysis. So number one, write everything down. For those with ADHD, staying organized is crucial. Usually if it's a big decision and you have a pros and cons list, getting everything out of your head and onto paper can be very, very helpful. Number two, if you break your tasks down, Breaking tasks down into smaller bite-sized pieces can feel way less overwhelming. You can also see them as little action items and complete the tasks a little bit easier. If you designate project time, so you know you have to reply to emails, you know you have to do some admin on the side, use your calendar, just write it out. Just make sure that you're designating time and then when that time comes, that your mind is on it and you're able to do that. Uh, so something that I always do, if I'm going to a restaurant that I've never been to before, I always look at the menu, I research before, I chat to friends that have been in the restaurant so that when it comes to time and I'm looking at the menu, it's a little bit less overwhelming. I think as well, it's really important to not make perfection the goal. A lot of us can kind of get caught up with perfectionism and, oh, I'll do a task, but it needs to be absolutely perfect. I think if you move away from that perfectionism and just going, hey, I'm completing the task to the best of my ability, it's going to make the task a lot less easier to complete. Schedule rewards. So as we know, the dopamine center in our brain is affected with ADHD. If you do an hour of work that you've been dreading or a task that you've been putting off for days, even weeks, and you reward yourself, that task is going to feel so much better once you've completed it. And for anyone that works from home or they just kind of have a bit of an autonomous job, it is important to take movement breaks. Movement breaks not only get your dopamine flowing, if you take a walk five minutes around the block, it just helps to kind of reset, restart and give you that invigorated energy that you need. So you can work novelty into your day and find what energizes you. So the second last segment to the show is ADHD humor. So I thought this one would be a funny one to include to my fellow NeuroSpicy community. And it's going to be titled, Tell Me You Have ADHD Without Telling Me You Have ADHD. And the aim for this is just to kind of make you feel better of silly things that you've said or you've done because you have a NeuroSpicy brain. So again, feel free to write in to me uh the instagram handle is mind underscore over underscore labels and tell me some of the funny quirky things that you have done so i've had five people write in to me this week and the subject being tell me you have adhd without telling me you have adhd so the first person said you're talking on the phone and have a moment of sheer panic where you ask oh my goodness where is my phone i can tell you how many times that has happened to me or even having glasses on my head and you're looking around everywhere for your glasses that is the story of my life person number two said you buy another organizing system to organize your last five organizing systems <laughs> can absolutely relate to that one 
The third one is you start cleaning the kitchen and you find something that belongs into the office. You go into the office to put it away. You sit down and you check your emails. You go on Facebook instead, decide to write a poem. Several hours later, realize that water in the kitchen sink is cold. The amount of times that I go to start on a task and then I get distracted and I get distracted and time again, I get distracted and then my day is gone. (laughs) Thank you for that one. And the last one is you drain the can of soup that you've just opened for lunch. Oh dear, I hope you had another substitute lunch in the house. So last but not least, we're on to the last bit of the podcast and this is Googled fun facts. So did you know that Australia is wider than the moon? That's absolutely insane. So the moon's diameter is 3,476 kilometers. This is the yardstick comparison and Australia is about 4,000 kilometers. So it is indeed wider. Wow. And then just because I know you're dying to know some of the other fun facts about the universe while we're at it that I kind of went on a deep dark rabbit hole. So there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches on earth. That's at least billion trillion stars. Wow. Did you know that a day on Mercury lasts longer than its year? Mercury moves around the sun faster than any other planet, making its year the equivalent to 88 Earth days. While a day on Mercury, the interval between one sunrise and the next lasts 176 Earth days. Wow. And lastly, it takes an astronaut six hours to put a spacesuit on. That's crazy. The spacesuit's function is to warm, cool, pressurize, and provide fresh oxygen. So a huge massive thank you guys for joining in for a second episode of Mind Over Labels. I just wanted to say thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed the second one and it's been very informative for you. Next series, my housemate slash bestmate slash biggest supporter, Penny Mack, will be joining me. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So thank you and enjoy the rest of November.